Welcome to this episode of the Novara Law Podcast, Open and Obvious No More. My name is Jenna Lee, Senior Associate Attorney here at Novara Law with my boss and mentor, Dan Allen. Dan, how are you doing today? Doing great. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I think it's long overdue to have you on the podcast, so happy to have you talking about the open, open and obvious doctrine. Of course, if you want a primer on open and obvious, go back to episode four. You'll have the history on uh, open and obvious and premises liability. So if you need you know, some background information, I would encourage you to go listen to that episode. All right, Dan, we have received, finally, the Michigan Supreme Court decision in Candle uh, v. F&E Oil Incorporated. I think it was consolidated with another case. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's consolidated with a case called Pinsky versus Kroger, Co. of Michigan. All right, so it's an open and obvious case that was pending before the Michigan Supreme Court. Just let's get, get right into it. What was the outcome? So the outcome of it, the, the, the big takeaway is that open and obvious, the, that analysis has essentially shifted from um, under the duty prong of negligence over to the, the breach prong. Um, the result of that is that it will be a lot harder to um, defeat these cases at the motion for summary disposition stage, given the fact issues. So is open and obvious, is that a fact question for the jury or a legal question for the judge? So before this decision came out, it was a legal decision for the judge because it pertained to duty. And as we as we know, um, on the defense side, we like it when we can argue duty because that's a legal question that the court can decide before it gets to the jury. So before this decision came out, a lot of defendants would file a motion for summary disposition arguing that um, the, the alleged harm was open and obvious, and as a result, there was no duty um, as, a, as a matter of law. Um, and that was an extremely, a lot easier for uh, the defense to get out of uh, versus right now, where it's at the breach prong of, of negligence, um, which typically is a fact question. Interesting. So are we still able to file these motions for summary disposition as we did before? We, we can still file motions for summary disposition, but they, they won't be as easy so to speak. I mean, it's never easy to win those motions, but they, it won't be as clear-cut as it was um, before this decision came out. Um, it's not to say that's impossible. I mean, even even the uh, the court, in its opinion, stated that it's still possible that you can win at the summary disposition stage by finding that there's there's no no fact question as to whether or not um, there was a breach. Okay, so I mean, some people might. Um, interpret this ruling to be open and obvious doctrine is no more. So I guess, did the court come to that conclusion and how did it get there? Sure. So so no, I, I don't think it's fair to say that open and obvious is no more. I mean, it's no more in the sense that it doesn't exist as it had prior to this decision. Um, and the dissent essentially says the same thing, which is that, you know, open and obvious is gone. Um, but the majority was careful to say that uh, open and obvious is still here. It's just instead of analyzing it under duty, which again is a legal question, um, it's analyzed under the breach section, which is traditionally um, for the fact finder. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly still something that we'll want to uh, develop uh, during litigation, but it's it's just not going to be as as easy as it was. Um, prior to decision to win at the uh, dispositive motion stage. And I'm sure the question on all of our adjusters' minds is going to be, you know, are we going to see more or less litigation because of this decision? Yeah, you know, that that's that's a really good question. And I, I think that we'll probably see more litigation. I mean, one thing that's kind of interesting about, 
I think the, the law in general is that the, the average Michigander doesn't know what open and obvious is. They don't know about this Supreme Court decision. So it's not like they're going to stop or start, you know, finding attorneys to, to file lawsuits. Uh, what, what will happen, though, is that now if somebody goes to an attorney and says that, hey, I fell down, I'm injured, what can you do for me? Whereas in the past, that attorney might be reluctant to take the case. Now they might be more willing to take the case, which, of course, will result in more litigation. So it's just it's really just a matter of, um, you know, how do you quantify? I mean, how many more cases are we going to see? I mean, I think we'll certainly see more than we have beforehand, but I don't think we're going to have a situation where, you know, floodgates will open up and we're going to have, you know, all of a sudden a, a bunch of uh, cases. And I guess, you know, since the summary disposition stage might be changed a little bit, that leads me to the next question of, okay, so we're making more cases being filed, but what about trials? Are we going to see these cases go to trials, you know, more often than they were prior to this decision? You know, it's, I, I think we probably won't see too many more trials. Uh, I, I mean, of, of course, I mean, now that the uh, dispositive, now that it's hard to win at dispositive motion stage, I mean, of course, now the cases may progress further along. But at the end of the day, I, I think that a, a plaintiff's attorney is going to be looking at, at the case, um, analyzing it the way um, you know defense attorneys analyze the case and say, okay, what happens if I go to trial and my, my argument is um, my, my client slipped and fell on ice knowing that he's going to be in front of a jury of his peers who live in Michigan who deal with the winter every single, every single year and they know how bad the winters here are. Um, you know, is is that a good use of time and, and, and you know, resources? Um, so I, I, still, I, I think that, you know, there may be some uh, more trials, but it's not going to be um, something we're going to see, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, new trials. And, and I think, too, there are probably ways for, um, you know, defense uh, attorneys to, to maybe, maybe motivate uh, plaintiffs to resolve uh, sooner than trial. So I just want to circle back to something you said before that, you know, in light of this this decision, the open and obvious question goes to duty and not breach any longer. So I guess, what does that mean? What are the practical effects of that? Sure. So so what that means then is that the in- inquiry is going to be more on the land possessor. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the land possessor needs to exercise reasonable care under the circumstances. Um you know, and, and when the breach aspect is being looked at, um, you know, several things would be considered, which would then include open and obvious, you know, and whether despite the purported danger being open and obvious, um, that the land possessor should have anticipated the harm to the invitee. Okay. So I guess on a practical level, what can a landowner do to ensure he doesn't breach his duty to anybody, you know, on his land? Right, and and this this kind of goes towards the difficulty that um, will arise in, in in the wake of this decision. Um, there is going to be a lot of uncertainty as to what exactly can be done um, to help mitigate uh, potential lawsuits. But you know, I, I'm, several things that that I've come across uh, when I worked in other jurisdictions. I mean, the obvious ones would be signage. You know, so we've all seen those yellow signs in grocery stores. Um, you know, so put those signs around any area where there might be a purported danger. Um, you know, then you can argue that I, I was acting reasonably. Uh, I didn't breach uh, my duty because I put a sign here and that's reasonable. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, the snowy weather and the ice, um, you know, it, it that can be a little bit more difficult. But again, I mean, if you can show record logs, 
that uh, you, the landowner, have been um, trying to shovel the snow or put ice on the snow. If you've got, um, you know, if you can, if you can obtain, you know, maybe signage on the outside, put put yellow signs on the outside where there might be some ice spots, um, then you can at least argue that look, there was snow there. We all knew there was snow there, and I even put a sign there. Um, and as a result, the um, you know if it got to a lawsuit. The plaintiff you know saw the sign, and and I act I acted reasonably as as a landowner. So really, we're trying to make this argument before a jury now. Things that a jury would understand is you um, doing something to ensure that you're not breaching your duty to anybody on your land. Uh, is that does that sound accurate? Yeah, I mean th- these are all decisions. I mean in theory that should be uh, d- determined by the fact finder, but but the court mentioned in one of his footnotes that. Um, if there are no genuine issues of material fact, then a court may grant a motion for a summary disposition. So if, if you have done a lot of these these things, you know, so take take the example of somebody falling in snow, for example. Okay, let's and that's actually what, what happened in the uh, El Sayed case. Um, you know, in that case, the, uh, the plaintiff was walking, she was getting gas, she walked to the gas station building to pay for the gas, and then, you know, while doing that, she, she fell on the snow. Um, you know, ultimately, the Supreme Court, you know, applying its new analysis of um, of the open and obvious doctrine, um, has found that there's a fact question. A fact question as to whether or not the defendant, in that case, uh, acted reasonably under the circumstances. Under the old analysis, um, and what the Court of Appeals found was that she saw the snow and she fell in the snow. Therefore, open and obvious uh, means there's no duty. And that's why that, that, that case was uh, initially dismissed. But again, the, the, under the new standard, there is a potential fact issue there. So, you know, I, what what could be done now in that situation to to maybe try and win at the summary disposition stage? I mean, it's it's not enough to show that the the plaintiff knows there's snow on the ground. I mean, you'll have to do more to show that the uh, the landowner or the, the business owner was acting reasonably. And you know, maybe if he had a sign there um, that said "caution, slippery." You know, that would be sufficient. Um, you know, the, I think the the court had mentioned that there was no record as to whether or not it was still snowing or how much snow had had occurred. I know in my my other cases that I've had, I mean, one of the things we do is we pull the uh, the record um, the records for weather and snow, and we can try and establish okay, was it snowing when this happened? How much snow had accumulated? Um, would it have been reasonable for uh, the landowner to to shovel snow in the middle of a storm? Um, you know, so so there there are a lot of different factors and, and things to develop um, during these cases. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, and and, and this is kind of what I, I think people are, are saying about this decision is, is it's going to be uh, very fact intensive. All right. So big picture moving forward, what does premises liability litigation look like? Well, we mentioned this earlier, but we're going to see a lot more cases. Uh, plaintiffs' counsels will be more likely to take slip and fall cases or any cases where they may not have taken beforehand, given the previous open and obvious uh, doctrine uh, that, that existed in Michigan. Now we'll see more cases, but that doesn't mean that the cases can't still be postured for uh, dismissal via via, uh, via motion. I think the strategy for obtaining that dismissal will be a little bit different, given that the open and obvious analysis has shifted to the breach prong. There will likely need to be more analysis on the defendant's conduct, uh, and, and that could be something as simple as providing analysis as to, well, in, in, a, in a slip and fall case on, a, in, on ice or on snow, analysis as to the frequency in which the defendant 
uh, was clearing the snow. Um, it, it could be showing examples of signage or other warnings that existed. Uh, because at the end of the day, the, the inquiry is, is whether the defendant exercised reasonable care. So if, if the defendant can show that it did everything you know, that, that was reasonable, then uh, arguably uh, there should be uh, no genuine issue of material fact as to whether the defendant breached its duty and, and therefore a court should grant that motion. So we're, we're going to probably still see um, these motions be filed and right now, it's kind of like the Wild West where we don't know exactly what courts will do. Over time, we'll get more and more Court of Appeals decisions, probably primarily unpublished cases, but we'll have something there that we can then fall back on uh, for motions for summary disposition. But what happens if the case survives a, a motion for dismissal? Then, then what happens? Well, then we're going to have a situation where we're going to have to go through the discovery process and, and hope that uh, the various tools that are available to litigators will, will maybe get the parties to resolve for a uh, reasonable amount. Um, I, I know we've got case eval in Michigan and then uh, facilitations and then even um, settlement conference sometimes with, with the judges can, can help. And I, I know in my experience, uh, whenever I can get the, the plaintiff in front of somebody else who can kind of tell them that their case is, is not good or, you know, tell them, you know, in the case of a slip and fall case on ice that if you go to a jury, the jury's really going to have a hard time um, finding in your favor, given that we all experience snow in our lives in Michigan. So I, I think the more opportunities we have to, to get somebody else to show the plaintiff that your case isn't one that you should proceed with to trial, the, the better it'll be for obtaining a good resolution. And then, um, you know, another great tool is the offer of judgment. If you can provide an offer of judgment uh, in the case, and, and that, that, that will then shift some of the uh, you know, burden, so to speak, or the penalties on towards the plaintiff if they do decide to go to trial and they don't get uh, the, the amount that they think they're going to get. All right, Dan, always more to learn from you. I really appreciate the time you've taken today. If anybody listening to this podcast wants to get a hold of you, what's your email? How can they, how can they reach you? Sure, it's uh, dsa at novaralaw.com. Great. Thanks so much for joining me. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Novara Law Podcast. Go ahead and check out the rest of our episodes. More to come. Just search Apple Podcasts or Spotify, the words Novara Law Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day. <laughs>